with us. So let's just open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord, uh, seeking wisdom, seeking guidance. Uh, Lord, we come to you seeking salvation. We come to you seeking sanctification. Lord, our whole being is uh, pivoting on your presence and on your grace and on your glory. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see these things all, all the more as we ex are expectant for a day to approach. Lord, we pray for those who are ill among us and for those who cannot come to church that we might um, be mindful of them as well. And understand that the body of Christ is all who follow you, who are called by you. Lord, help us to be lovers of others um, as well as lovers of God. In your name I pray, amen. Well, our topic today is love for God and love for Christ. A great topic, uh, but difficult to sometimes actually understand in totality. Love for God and love for his son ought to be an automatic response uh, for those who are in the light. His unmerited love for us, in light of his calling onto our hearts, how can our hearts be so prone to wonder? Well, what does it mean to love God? We know that we are commanded to love God. In Matthew 22, we've recently read this in our services, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law. And Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Jesus said in John 14, 15, that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And later in that same chapter, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. We are commanded to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our soul, and see that the evidence of our love is in our attentiveness to his commands. Are we attentive to his commands? Obedience is what is commanded, but obedience is really the evidence of love. We see this obedience in the loving action in Matthew chapter 21. What a scene provided in the triumphal entry here on Palm Sunday. The worker of miracles, the one who raised Lazarus from the dead, now fulfilling prophecy in such a public way. Let's for a moment consider the love of Christ through the disciples at the scene of the triumphal entry. When they approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming, gentle 
and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them. And he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet, Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. We know that the scene was in large part the expectations of the crowd, who were primarily looking for an earthly kingdom instead of a sacrificial savior. But the disciples model for us the love of Christ. It says in the text that they were with him. Well, that is a statement of love, is it not, to be with him? They were traveling together, both in his triumphs and in his sufferings, to be with him. They were obedient, the text says, to go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. They went. They found the colt, they untied, and they brought. They didn't argue as to how it should be done. They went together, and they obtained the donkey, just as Jesus had said. The disciples went and did just as he instructed, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Those coats were probably not name brands but they were what they had. They put the coats, placed it in a place of honor before their Lord. What a participation of the love of Christ, is it not? Earthen vessels, these disciples as they were, they love the Master, loving the Lord, their God, with all their heart, with all their mind, and with all their soul. They were participating in a prophetic plan Just contemplate that for a second. It was his time, and they were there, being used by a holy God in a prophetic plan. They were fellowshipping with their master. Their love for him drove their obedience. They kept the Lord's commandments. They became became worshipers and leaders through their obedience. They absolutely love the Lord. Please stand and sing our first two songs. Charles Spurgeon spoke of the great honor to be a disciple of this kingdom and this king. He writes, It is a kingdom, in the first place, in which the disciples are the courtiers. Our blessed Lord had no prince in waiting, no usher of the black rod, No gentleman at arms who supplied the place of those grand officers. Why a a few poor humble fishermen who were his disciples. Learn then that if in Christ's kingdom you would be a peer, you must be a disciple. To sit at his feet 
is the honor which will which he will give you hearing his words obeying his commands receiving of his grace this is true dignity this is true magnificence the poorest man that loves christ or the humblest woman who is willing to accept him as a as her teacher becomes at once one of nobility that wait upon Christ Jesus. What a kingdom is this, which makes fishermen nobles and peasants princes, while they remain but fishermen and peasants still. This is the kingdom of which we speak, in which the discipleship is the highest degree, in which divine service is the patent of nobility. Courtier is a person who attends a royal court as a companion or advisor to the king or queen. Are you and I his courtiers? We see this love for God driven through the book of 1 John, and just a couple weeks ago I had the privilege of speaking through 1 John chapter 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know we love the children of God, and when we love God and observe his commandments, excuse me, I'm going to reread that, verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome to us. I believe these disciples of Christ on this triumphal entry day, we're pleased to be there. The command for them to go get these colts, as difficult as it may seem to take something that's not yours, but will certainly be given for the king, was probably not something that they woke up thinking they would do. But what a blessing it is to serve the king. It's not a burden. Jesus teaching his disciples gives us this great commission that we can follow through with. He invites us, his followers, to go and to call others and to come and to follow, to teach and to model his love for for him. Mere peasants as they are and as we are, merely daily workers or home vocationers, humbly walking with the king, loving him as willful, as we willfully... um, do the second command as well, to love our neighbors as ourselves. It says in Matthew chapter 28, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful, maybe faint-hearted as well, maybe needing some encouragement. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Loving God is identifying with his work. Much is made in this culture of how we identify. The lover of God has a major advantage in this area. We identify with Christ. We identify with his sufferings. We identify with his compassion. We identify with his person, 
his spirit, and with his Father. We identify with his calling and his presence in us and with his righteousness that is before us. For the love of Christ controls us. It says in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. The person who loves God is not ashamed of God's gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition a statement of love, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. The issue of loving God is as our first priority. It's a major component of our daily walk. The renewing of our mind orientates our mind and inclines our heart to a life of worship. One author writes, How did Jesus love his Father? Maybe there's a clue here on how we ought to love God himself, how Jesus loved God, his Father. And here is what what I thought of. He loved his Father by defending him. When the Pharisees showed their appalling ignorance of the character of God, Jesus would step in to defend God. He loved his Father by communing with him. Jesus constantly escaped from the crowds so he could spend time alone with God. He communed with him in prayer and undoubtedly in meditating upon scriptures. He loved his Father by loving his Father's people. He loved his Father by obeying him. He loved his Father by doing his Father's will. He loved his Father by making his Father's glory his first priority and making much of him. And I'm sure this list could continue. The author states, therefore, let's make it our ambition uh, here at GCF, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him and to love God. Please stand as we sing our last three songs. I think you could take any one of those songs and just think about their words and contemplate the author and where that author was. As I was preparing for this, the song, Be Thou My Vision, which we sang today, uh, came to mind. But what a great words, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that Thou art. Thou my best thought, by day and by night, waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light. What a beautiful prayer of, of singing that we sang today in all these songs. Uh, What a great way to consider even our own prayer life and our praise is to write down thoughts like this as we commune with our Lord. Please greet one another as Eric comes forward.